Hello, everybody, and welcome to an all-new Third Nerd podcast. As usual, I am going at it solo. Adam is still getting some things together. We are supposed to come back in uh, February, I believe, with some cool crap. Uh, But in the meantime, I am here to stress the third part of Third and Nerd. Uh, I am talking to football outsiders, writer, uh, a guy who writes for a lot of different sites, but I've seen most of his stuff on Football Outsiders these days, so that's that's where we'll pin him down. Uh, Derek Clawson, man, here to talk some USC football with you. Uh, Derek, man, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, the quarterback situation, you know, last time we talked about it, it was uh, it the quarterback situation was a little better. So I think it's going to be a lot more interesting talk this time around. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping so. And I intentionally didn't ask you anything in DMs leading up to this conversation, so that way I was, uh, I don't know, that way my reactions are genuine rather than oh, I planned that response. Um, so for those who don't know, uh, USC's quarterback, JT Daniels is a blue chip athlete, uh, came in, um, out of a a, a pretty exclusive club, played at modern day, um, which is all you really need to do to get a a scholarship offer. Bruce Rollinson been at modern day forever. Um, there's no secret what he likes in his quarterbacks and JT fits the mold, uh, came in Gatorade high school player of the year, prolific athlete. And um, had some struggles in his first season, I thought. Um, didn't quite live up to expectations. I felt there were other better examples of true freshmen that got it. But he's also hindered by a coaching staff that relieved their primary play caller and OC, I believe, with four games left on the schedule, and then fired him at the end of the year. So you have to take all that with a grain of salt. And in order to analyze that, I brought on you. So first – Let's just get into JT Daniels and what you see in a general sense when you watch him. Maybe maybe just traits and patterns. Let's start there, and, and then we'll move into the good, the bad, and, and the coaching problems. Right. So I think when you first watch him, and I had this experience, I mean, maybe only a couple of throws in, where, like, you clearly get why, in terms of arm talent, like, why this guy was a five-star recruit like there were a handful of throws like not just like the velocity of which he was throwing but it was like okay you get why like this is going to be an NFL prospect or something down the line because he's like just ripping it 55 yards on the dime down the seam um and stuff like that and like you you clearly get why his arm talent went top five um I think the problem is he's just I think the only encouraging thing so far that I saw was that clearly all of his issues to me were like experience based. His timing was really bad. Um, I thought some of the windows he constantly tried to throw to just didn't make any sense. And he wasn't very good at trying to check the ball down or take any of the easy yards. Like he was clearly a young kid trying to make all the plays when one, the offense didn't really do a good enough job of helping him do that. And two, the offensive line never really gave him time or space to do that either. So I think a lot of his, weaknesses were kind of accentuated by the situation um but I did think a lot of the things that he showed to me were at least kind of encouraging where he was very willing to stand in the pocket um, which I thought was impressive for an 18 year old um like I said his arm was very good I thought he was generally accurate I thought like I said a lot of his accuracy issues came down to timing um so I think he has plenty to work with there um and then I guess the only other kind of negative is that uh he's just not a very good athlete yeah, that's that's kind of 
I, but, but you mentioned something that I want to get into, and I know you're not an offensive line guy, but, but, but it does start up front. And if you don't have a functioning offensive line, which USC, it's worth noting that they were working off an offensive line, which I don't know how Neil Calloway continues to get employed on the offensive line, but he does. Uh, and as I expected, that hire lasted about a year, which is about what people give Neil Callahan a year or two, and then they realize, why the hell did we hire this guy? Um, replaced by Tim Drevno, um, who's still there now, was the Michigan OC. Obviously, that went belly up uh, for Michigan, and so Tim Drevno is now back to being run game coordinator, I believe, and offensive line coach, uh, which I think suits him a bit better, but there's no telling – what I noticed first and foremost is you got center Toa Logan Don could not seem to get the damn ball to the quarterback. That's first and foremost. Was that was that evident in, in what you witnessed? Oh, that that's absolutely accurate. I think one of the last games of the season I had watched, I can't remember exactly what it was, um, but he just shot a ball that was like five yards over Daniel's head, and I was like, what? Like, what is the quarterback supposed to do? There's nothing this guy can do. Um, and that's especially problematic for a young quarterback. Like, if you watch Carson Wentz with the Eagles, uh, his rookie year, which is obviously a completely different setting, um, they were having a really hard time getting him the ball, too. Um, and I thought that was strange, and it really hindered what he could do as a young player. So um, that was definitely something Daniels had to deal with uh, USC's first year, for sure. All right, so let's talk about the good. You mentioned the timing. You mentioned the arm talent. Now, there are other five-star quarterbacks across the league that have started as true freshmen. Uh, Trevor Lawrence comes to mind, although I would argue Trevor Lawrence is an unfair comparison for anybody. Um, it, you're, I know that people have made the argument this kid should just be able to go to the NFL, and, and maybe there's some merit to that. I personally uh, agree with the whole let your body grow. I think a couple years of college really helps in that sense. Uh, but last guy I ever heard this about was Indomitian Sue, oddly enough. People said he should just be able to go uh, to the NFL. Um, what, what does Daniels do really well that could put him in the league of guys? He, I mean, for me, the accuracy, he never really got above 70%. He only had one or two games where it was above 70%. And you look at some of those throws, and the timing was there, but for, for the most part, and maybe this comes back to the OC, maybe this comes back to, to him, you'd be better set to explain this, but it felt like there were a lot of 50-50 balls thrown up where USC was looking at the coverage, diagnosing the coverage, and saying, okay, between Amon Ra or Michael Pittman or Tyler Vaughn's, if we can give JT Daniels one-on-one -on -one coverage, then we can take a 50-50 ball and hope that our athletes will beat out their corners. Am I wrong here, or or is is what what's going on here? No, that's absolutely what they were doing. Um, I, I would feel like, yeah, like trying to get those just like, all right, this guy's going to run a, a nine, this guy's going to run a nine, and if it doesn't work out, then you're screwed. And so he was kind of having to just throw those a lot, which I think hindered. Um, his completion percentage a lot. Um, and then, like I said, I think the offense in the quick game was, like, super simple. Like, they did a lot of, like, all seven-yard hitches where, like, all five guys would run that. Um, they did a lot of stuff that was just – it just wasn't at all creative. Um, the only, like, semi-creative thing I, I think they did was, like, the RPO slant type stuff, which was he was he was really good at and Darnold has been good at in the past as well. Um, but I think in terms of accuracy, like, where Daniel struggles right now is very clear. 
I think throwing down the field, he was very good. I think throwing over the middle of the field, he was very good. His problems to me were like, if he was throwing a corner route, he would constantly throw it like five yards inside of where it needed to be. Um, or if he was throwing like a deep over, he would kind of have that problem where he would throw it a little bit too far inside. So it, and I definitely don't think it's an arm strength thing. I think it's just he doesn't yet have a full understanding of like, if he's throwing a guy to the sideline, he doesn't have a great understanding of like, okay, where exactly do I need to fit this ball in between the player and between the sideline? Um, and sometimes it works out for him because he has a good enough arm, but like there's, there's a very clear tendency for him to throw it inside. And so I think that hurts him. And then another thing is, is I think sometimes in the quick game, his, his timing is just weird. Like he'll, he'll do the thing. And I had a problem with uh, Jake Browning doing this all throughout his career. Washington was, he would sit back for like, like those seven yard hitches I was talking about. A lot of times on those, as soon as your back foot hits as a quarterback, the ball has to be out. Like, you're not thinking at that point. You've made the read pre-snap, and it just has to go. And there were a handful of times where he would bounce an extra second that he didn't need to, and the ball would either end up getting tipped, uh, intercepted. He would end up having to try to fit it into a weird location because he knew he was late. Just stuff like that, I think, gave him a lot of issues. But overall, I think he, he has, like, a decent base for accuracy. I think if he just learns to understand some of those things, um, that he hopefully can grow into with experience, I think he could actually get into um, closer to that, like, you know, season end 64, 65% range. Now, let's get into the arm strength thing. He's he's not a guy that particularly worries me with his arm strength, but there were several throws this year where it, maybe, maybe they were just bubble screens or, or quick hitters that, I don't know if, if he if he wasn't set when he threw them, if, if he was, you know, maybe backing up and, and didn't have his feet planted, you know, just got it out real quick, as you said. But it felt like the ball took a really long time to arrive at where it's at. Does it, now, does this come down to a velocity issue, which is more telling of arm strength, or does this simply come down to getting your angles better, your launch angles, and making sure that the ball comes out on time? What – where is he at in that trifecta of problems? Uh, I think it's more of an angles and mechanic thing because I, I think in terms of, like, you know, throwing pretty much every route, I don't really worry about his velocity. But kind of like you said, and he did have an issue, too, with getting the ball slotted at the line of scrimmage, which, again, like you're talking about, it's like angles, mechanics, knowing exactly when and where the ball needs to come out. I think in the quick game, sometimes he did have problems with that. Um, I don't think it was a matter of not knowing where to put the ball. It was – you know, like you said, it was getting it out at the right time, getting it out through the right angle, um, I think was the biggest problem with him. And you can even see that on his deep ball sometimes where, like, when he sets and throws, like, he can throw absolute dimes, like, completely perfect. Um, but he has a handful of instances where he'll just hold all of his weight on his back foot. Um, and Ryan Tannehill had this issue. Mitchell Trubisky had this issue um, where sometimes they just would kind of rush their process and not really step into it and let it rip. They would kind of sit back on there on their heels. And I think hopefully that's something he can fix. Hopefully that's just something, you know, maybe the read was murky post snap. So he kind of just rushed his prospect, uh, his process in a panic. So hopefully he can clean those things up. Cause like I've said a couple of times now, I think his overall arm talent and like baseline accuracy is good enough if he can clean up some of these nuances. Now looking at just a couple games here, there are a couple games where I thought, you know, for his part, he played really well. Um, Colorado wasn't necessarily one of those games that leaps out, but but he did manage to put some scores on the board 
that ultimately gave USC some separation. Uh, the game against Washington State, really, 17 of 26, six, about 65.5%, uh, 241 yards. But here's this, three scores. Um, how the rushing, you get the sacks, that was just the offensive line. Um, I, I hate that they count that in the rushing total because it doesn't really give you a true picture of where they're at. But in the couple of games, he did really well. What I thought USC did well in those games was they tried they tried to limit the amount of throws that he made, and if they increased the amount of throws that they made, um, they did so in a manner that befitted his talent. Um, sometimes, like you said, I think play design was not there. They just generally weren't creative. But then I look at the Notre Dame game where he actually went 37 of 51, 72%, almost 350 yards, but only had one score there. And USC actually really could have beat Notre Dame that day. I don't know what I – don't, I, don't let me get into that. Um, <laughs> when you – when the games you were able to watch, what stood out to you – about JT Daniels in terms of if you had some specific instances you bookmark in specific games where you felt this is really emblematic of what this kid does well. This is where we need to start if we're going to truly evaluate his talent post-T Martin. Um, I really, I like I said, I think I'm really just impressed the way that he could attack the field um, and attack some of the windows over the middle of the field, like digs and stuff like that. I do think he had some issues with like reading center, uh, like center fielding safeties. Um, but I kind of think that that was also more of an issue of just like him being 18 rather than him being terrible. I kind of want to see, um, how he grows with that. But the problem I, I think I had was, like I said, his biggest strengths I thought were throwing down the field, throwing into tight windows, like, um, not really being scared of like third and 15, that type of stuff. But the problem is the offensive line was horrible and never really allowed those concepts to like work consistently. It just wasn't something they could do. So when they kind of had to panic and throw a ton, a lot of what they ended up doing was like those those quick game stuff, but their quick game wasn't very creative. Um, and honestly, I kind of saw a lot of instances where it just didn't seem like a lot of those young receivers were either on the same page um, or like it, it just didn't seem like they were where they needed to be sometimes. Um, and I think if you couple that on top of the fact that like we've talked about with Daniels, his mechanics could be questionable sometimes, and sometimes his timing could be off where he would, you know, wait an extra tick to throw the ball. I think when you stack all of those things together and put them all in a mix, it it just creates this offense where the strengths aren't able to show themselves well enough. So um, I'm kind of hoping if they can fix the offensive line, give these receivers some more time in the system, and specifically with him at quarterback, I'm hoping the offense can kind of open up and, and give his strengths a shine, but... Um, I mean, I guess that's to be seen. Okay, so let's get into maybe what could be, because reports are starting to come out that, that USC is poaching Graham Harrell uh, from North Texas, which, I mean, USC hiring from North Texas is not anything I thought I would ever say. But it's here we Graham Harrell, a Cliff Kingsbury prodigy, obviously we know the story of Kingsbury, takes the job, about two weeks later, finds out that he's a big-time prospect for the Arizona Cardinals job. So he buys his own contract out and obviously gets the gig as the Arizona head coach. Um, 
we know what they were going for when they hired Kingsbury. We know what they're going for when they hire Graham Harrell. What do you make of the amalgam of JT Daniels as a talent and air raid concepts in, in college football with his – I mean, he lost a lot of damn receivers today to, to transfer. It was nearly stunning how many people are in the transfer portal from USC. But uh, he still has three pretty talented wideouts that are probably going to be looking to catch a lot more balls. Where do you come down on air raid concepts in the college game, especially in major conferences? Um, I think it's plenty viable, um, especially if they can somehow get some of that receiver talent back or if they're if they're bringing in some new guys that could kind of open it up. Um, I think where I would make the distinction with someone like Harrell is I would hope that he's a little bit closer to what Mike Gundy is rather than what uh, Cliff Kingsbury is because their offenses, while they're both air raid, um, are a little different. Like Gundy does a lot more with running like Mills concepts, really attacking the scene. Uh, which I think is where JT Daniels is going to thrive. Um, and he does, I think, a more interesting job of, like, creating space for those one-on-ones that USC kind of has the receivers for, and it seems like that's what they've always wanted to do. Um, I think Gundy has always done a really good job with, like, creating splits so that that can be open um, and and really stressing defenses down the field. Uh, and then a lot of their quick game just ends up being, like, screens, um, RPO slants, like some of the easier stuff that USC already does. Um, but he can kind of open it up and, and, and not have so much of the just dull timing stuff that they do. Like, like I said, all those seven round, uh, the seven yard hitch routes where all five guys run that, like that's not something an air raid, like a Gundy offense is going to really want to do all that much. So like I said, if, if Harold can be closer to what Gundy is, um, and kind of give him that offense that like Mason Rudolph had, I actually think that that would be perfect for Daniels. What, what is your feeling? For JT Daniels, when you look at him, see him as a talent, and you have to kind of guess, all right, we know he's guaranteed going to get at least two years of Clay Helton development. We have no idea what next year brings. I don't suspect he will be the head coach. A lot of people don't. He could surprise us, but this is a, it is basically a do-or-die year um, if he even lasts the year. what Where do you – what can JT Daniels do to lift this team out of the mire of five and seven in his sophomore year? How does he benefit here? Um, you know, I think like we've talked about a little bit before, I think he really just has to show that he can learn all of the nuances of playing quarterbacks. Cause like we've mentioned, the mechanics are kind of a problem. The timing is kind of a problem and his understanding of when to like, just check the ball down instead of taking an, a completely unnecessary risk. Um, I think it's something he really has to mature into because there were just a handful of times on film where, um, you know, say he would have a guy in the flats, but he would just throw like 30 yards into double coverage for no real reason um, when it was like first and 10. It's like, okay, you can just take the easy yards. Like there's there's no reason for you to be pressing. So I think if he can mature into the role of quarterback, um, I think he could really – I think he could really actually turn into a very good quarterback. Cause like I said before, I don't, I don't think he actually has any like physical traits that are a problem. And I think he has plenty of baseline traits that should set up for a very good quarterback. And for him to have been an 18 year old kid starting at USC behind a terrible offensive line and an offense with very little creativity, I actually think there's a lot of room for him to grow into, um, you know, like you said, like Trevor Lawrence is a completely unfair um, level for this guy to reach, and he's, he's not going to do that. 
Um, but I think he absolutely could reach into like the upper echelon of at least the Pac-12. Do you think the air raid is the best possible marriage, at least Graham Harrell's concept of the, of the air raid? Is this the best possible marriage for JT Daniels? Or if you were designing a perfect offense, and I know you've talked about what he does well, but let's put on your offensive coordinator hat here. What are you doing with this kid in the future? You've talked about hitting the seams. You've talked talked a bit about the timing. If he gets that down, he's going to become more accurate. But what are some things that you're you're taking this kid and doing for – I mean, what's your game film here? Um, I mean, my game plan, like I said, I think would mostly be Gundy stuff. Like, I think – I mean, I kind of think that that's like the perfect offense in college for just about any quarterback. Um, but like I said, with some of his strengths, with the way he wants to throw downfield, the way he wants to throw over the middle of the field, um, and with the way he's willing to trust receivers, granted, maybe sometimes too much, like I said before, but um, I think that all works really well for him. I don't think he's a guy where um, you want him, like, under center all the time and doing stuff like that. Like, I don't think you – even though they're both pocket passers, I don't think you want to turn him into Josh Rosen. Like, I just don't think that that's what you want this guy to be. I think you want to let him – um, kind of just give him five-man protections and hope that the offensive line is a little bit better um, and just kind of let him sling it downfield. I think I think that's really the way that you want to unlock, unlock this guy. I don't think you want to make it this, like, super methodical offense because um, I just don't think that that's the way he wants to play. And if that's not the way he wants to play, it's not going to work if you're forcing, um, you know, a square peg into a round hole. How many how many attempts per game are you looking at? What what do you feel is most comfortable for him? Do you like the between twenty six, let's say twenty seven to thirty five, or thirty five or more? How many times a game? Just and I know that game plans tend to dictate what you do, but in a general sense, how much? I guess this this actually comes back to trust. I'm going to put the ball in this guy's hands for this many tries, and I'm going to let him make decisions, including RPOs. How many attempts are you giving him per game? Uh, I mean, I definitely don't think you want to do the the Patrick Mahomes throwing 50-plus times every game. I, I don't – I think very, very few quarterbacks are that talented. But, I mean, even if you go back and watch, like, Lawrence, I mean, part of the thing is that Clemson is just scoring so often that he doesn't have to throw as much. But he's not throwing, like, 40-plus times a game either. I think somewhere – if you're getting your quarterback in college, I think somewhere between, like, 32 and 36 or so attempts – um, assuming you're not running just like a full-blown chaos air raid where your defense is terrible. Um, I think that both indicates that you trust your quarterback and that your game plan is consistently working because you're consistently getting ahead and not having to pass a million times at the end of the game to kind of save your ass. That's that's perfect. <laughs> that sounds perfect to me, actually, for this. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I know I look at that Notre Dame game, but I just feel – that in that game, Notre Dame, Notre Dame's corner defenders, their perimeter defenders, were way too good to fall for the one-on-one garbage. Um, and, and generally, they were able to knock down those balls because they're rangy. Um, and, and I don't know. He, they looked good that game, but I just felt that they, they did not look good enough. So I guess my, my, my last question or two here would be this. If you had to give a comparison maybe across – you can either go NFL comparison or, or college comparisons. Who 
who does JT Daniels most remind you of slash what can you see him? I know I've kind of asked this, but name-wise, who can you see him developing into? Oh, that's – um. Uh, let me think here for a minute because that, that one's kind of tough. Um, Okay, so he, here's the way I would put it. I don't – I think something around like – I think just the way he plays is kind of similar to Matt Stafford where, again, he wants to press down the field constantly. Um, sometimes his timing and, the, and rhythm in the short game can be questionable. Um, sometimes he doesn't want to check down all very often. And granted, they've pulled the rain back from Stafford very recently, but I'm talking like what most people would consider prime Stafford. Um, I think that type of player is probably what he is. Is JT Daniels ever going to be a guy who throws 40-plus touchdowns in the NFL? I'm not sure. That also seems like an unrealistic um, thing to put on him, but I think that style of player um, kind of makes a lot of sense for him. And even you could even say the same of Carson Wentz is very similar. Again, that's like a completely unrealistic uh, threshold for him to get to in the NFL, but in terms of style, in terms of the way you probably want to concoct your offense, I think something like that makes sense. All right. Now, I know that you weren't able to watch much of this, but I did want to touch on Sears before I let you go. So Jack Sears came in a four-star kid and had to start for JT Daniels because of that concussion that we mentioned earlier. Uh, the offense looked surprisingly different in that game in that Sears is, is a more athletic player. He was, I felt like they used him akin to the way Pete Carroll used to use Mark Sanchez and currently uses Russell Wilson, although Russell Wilson is obviously a much better athlete than Jack Sears. I just kind of feel that J- that Jack Sears is a guy that you can bootleg, you can roll him out, he's, you can RPO with him. I feel like he might have a bit more to offer USC at the present than JT Daniels. I feel like they can win with him now. Am I wrong on this? Am I am I reading too much into one game with Jack Sears? Uh, maybe. Like I said, uh, you know. I never really got the chance to watch that game, partly because it's, like, impossible to find on YouTube now, and uh, I had kind of checked out on USC during the season at that point. Um, <laughs> but the I think the problem with that game is, if I remember correctly, that defense is, like, 88th in S&P Plus, which is obviously not very good. Um, that's towards the bottom. And um, that's not to say Daniels didn't play against any, like, bad defenses either, but... Daniels also had to face a handful of much better defenses, um, like the Notre Dame one. Um, Like even Texas, I think, was much better. Um, So stuff like that, I think you kind of have to keep in mind when you're watching it. Um, And also, what's weird sometimes about backup quarterbacks coming in is what will happen sometimes is the starter will be in, the offense will be what it is, and the coaching staff won't really take inventory of what they're doing well and what they're doing not. And then all of a sudden, there's panic. Oh, God, the starter is down. What do we do? And then they come up with something. Um, And you've seen this happen um, a number of times. Like, even it's kind of happened with Nick Foles and the Eagles. Um, You know, obviously, they didn't make a run through the Super Bowl this time or whatever. But, like, they clearly changed the offense from what was not working great in the middle of this year um, when Carson Wentz was playing. And they changed some stuff up. And it was able to work out for them um, down the stretch with Foles. So, I think sometimes just getting a backup in there, even if it's just for one game, can kind of get the coaching staff to rewire their thinking and do something different. Um, And then you put that on top of the fact that, like I said, it was not a very good defense that they were playing. 
Arizona State was the team, and they're not exactly right. known for their defense. Although it's worth, <laughs> exactly. it is worth saying that Herm Edwards really surprised this year, and uh, I, I was a big fan of what he was able to achieve in the college game. I, I, I was, I was pleasantly surprised with him. So was I. I was extremely surprised. I mean, yeah, that that team just wasn't prepared for like super immediate success, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So. Um, but, yeah, Herman was good. But, like I said, the thing is, um, I mean, backups, especially in those one-game samples, can just look like the offense just changes sometimes. And then the, the starter comes back in and things go back to normal because coaches think, well, what we had was fine. And uh, in the case of Daniels, um, like we've both talked about, like just the offensive design with Daniels just didn't make a whole lot of sense. And if I remember correctly, I believe T. Martin was – fired right after the Arizona yep so it was well it wasn't right after it was about a month later but uh that that was about the time when when T Martin's rope was was coming up short so I think you actually bring up a really good point that that offensive coordinators are forced to to re-examine their their priorities and what's working when you have a backup I hadn't really considered that so now I have that going well man I think we've covered just about everything you can cover without repeating ourselves. So what I want to do now is give you a chance to tell people where they can find you, where they can find you on Twitter. And if you have any projects that you want to pump, because it is Super Bowl week, please take this time to tell people to go read it. Yeah, everyone can find me at QB class on Twitter. That's class with a K. Um, I do the, I do the film room at football outsiders. Um, I did part one of our uh, Super Bowl preview last week, and I'll have another thing coming up. I think I turned it in tomorrow, so it'll be up Wednesday. So I'll be uh, kind of reviewing what the Patriots offense can do against the Rams defense. So that's about all I have cooked up for now. And if you get the chance, go check out that Patriot uh, defensive breakdown that he already wrote up and why he thinks the Patriots' defensive game plan and what Bill Belichick does is actually primed to beat an offense like the L.A. Rams, specifically because of press coverage, if you're into that sort of thing. I already ripped through the piece, and I always find them informative. So, you know, it's one of those things where you can learn every day. Derek, man, I want to say thank you. Uh, I appreciate your time. And if there's nothing else, man, we'll uh, we'll say goodbye here. So this has been a uh, another production of Third Nerd. Um, I want to say thank you to my producer, Scott, for getting this thing uh, fixed and up. And uh, we will be back this month. Adam and I will be talking with, I believe we're setting up an interview with Cody, who, a.k.a. Boss Logic, uh, if, you're, if you're into graphic design, you will know the name. Uh, so, Derek, man, thank you so much, brother. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Always appreciate it, man. All right, and we will catch you guys next time here on 3rd and Nerd.